Cape Town. This is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A very good evening to you. Another edition of Questions and Answers. I'm Khawa Salaman. Welcome to it. Shukran so much for joining us. And uh, we'll be with you for a shortened version. It is within the hour, but um, a very shortened version as we have to break for the waqt of Maghrib, um, inshallah. So the next uh, two segments, inshallah, we'll deal with your uh, questions via SMS. And uh, as I mentioned, a very uh, big backlog, but a uh, big shukran for you for waiting. There are still some Ramadan questions so we want to do them because people have sent them through and hopefully it will help the others um, the other listeners as well in the future so let's firstly welcome uh, Sheikh Ibrahim was back uh, doing the answers of these questions inshallah Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to all our listeners of the voice of the camp so Sheikh lots of questions we have um, backlogged as well so we're going to try and get through most of them the first one is pertaining to Ramadan and um, it is a fitra question so it says salam if you're son is not married anymore but he's working must his parents still pay his fitra or him he's staying with the parents though Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillah salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in yes I think uh, Hawa what we'll do is since there are a lot of questions that are still coming through with regards to Ramadan in fact they came through a long time ago yes but because of our backlog we, we obviously couldn't answer them so what we'll do is we won't spend too much time on them okay we'll just do a brief answer so that we can give more time to the more relevant questions mm. that are at hand so with regards to this question obviously a, a person who lives with his mother and father but he's working and he's, he's a big adult and he's able to look after himself of course they don't have to fend for him anymore mm. I mean he has to fend for himself and so even the fitra is not their responsibility but this okay. is his own responsibility especially if he is earning money and he is able to sort of uh, you know have enough to, to, to survive by himself mm-hmm. then uh, he is on his own and he should be it's only an act of goodwill that the parents are still looking after him and still helping Being him there, yeah. but it is actually his own duty obviously now to to look after himself mm-hmm. and to do whatever it takes so the fitra must not be paid by them uh, it must be paid by him himself mm-hmm. unless if they really insist and he agrees then it's no problem okay. if they insist and, and he agrees then it would be ac- acceptable in that way as well but it's his responsibility his responsibility okay. assalamu alaikum i'm struggling to have babies i'm not sure if i should go for another operation or just continue making dua sheikh however an aunt of mine asked me to actually go for this operation. Yeah, this is uh, inshallah something which uh, you know, um, as as difficult as it may be, etc. We should always remain positive, inshallah. Mm-hmm. And there is no um, contradiction between the two things that you want to do. You want to make du'a and go for operation, for example. There's no contradiction between these two things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, you know both of them are required. Because from a medical point of view, we must expedite and explore whatever avenues needs to be explored. Because Allah Ta'ala did not send any disease or illness or difficulty except that there's a cure for it. Mm. And so, yes, you should go for whatever is advised to you. Okay. Uh, But at the same time, you should not stop making dua. Because dua is pivotal, is central to all of this. Mm. It brings contentment to the heart as well, knowing that Allah Ta'ala, He is the one that gives, He is the one that takes, He is the one that affords. Mm. So uh, I would encourage you to to expedite all possibilities, inshallah, and not become despondent. Mm. And put your trust in Allah, put your hope in Allah, and remain with Him and make dua all the time. And um, I, I also want to add, 
that in this whole process of you trying to have a baby try also not to be too anxious about it you know try try to relax try to to take your mind off it somehow mm-hmm. and i know that's it's very difficult it's not easy but try to to sort of uh, not be too anxious about all mm-hmm. of this and then there's a few uh, duas that i will recommend you to recite as well you know that are all taken from the quran uh, the first dua is uh, surah al imran chapter 3 verse 38 and i'm giving you the reference in case you don't uh, capture the ayah the way I quote it, you can at least go check it up. Chapter 3 verse 38, where Allah Ta'ala says, it's the same dua that Nabi Zakaria made also in wanting mm. a child. He also wasn't given a child and he was already very old. Mm. But he was still making dua at that mm. uh, at that point in his life. And Allah Ta'ala inspired him to make this dua. Oh Allah, grant me from yourself uh, offspring that will be good. Uh, you are the one that hears all prayers. Mm. It's a beautiful dua and our teachers, some of our teachers and ulama have said that if you can make this dua, especially just before you make your taslim in the salah, for example, just before you say okay, assalamu alaikum, that is a very mubarak time, as well as immediately after the salah, when you make all your other duas. Then of course, uh, tahajjud time and other times is also uh, very good. Um, another dua that I can recommend is chapter 37, verse 100, Rabbi habli minas salihin. Rabbi habli minas salihin. And this is again Nabi Ibrahim's dua. Because we know Nabi Ibrahim also was only given a child at a very late stage of mm. his life. So he made this dua, Rabbi habli min as-salihin, oh Allah grant me pious children. Mm. So his focus was not, was not only on getting children, but he wanted children that were pious. Mm. That would be a benefit, you know, to society, etc. So this is chapter 37, verse 100. You can repeat that dua as well. Uh, and also what I would recommend you do also abundantly, which we were also told by some scholars, is try to make a lot of istighfar, you know, uh, ask forgiveness for Allah Ta'ala all the time. Make istighfar as much as you can. Because there's a verse in the Quran where Allah Ta'ala actually says what are the benefits of istighfar, you know, and it's beautifully uh, pointed out to us that istighfar, believe it or not, it brings about a lot of good in your life. Mm. By making istighfar, Allah grants you wealth, Allah grants you children, Allah grants you strength. And there's, you can check, you can, you can check Surah Nuh in the Quran in the 29th Juz. There's a whole chapter that speaks about Nabi Nuh. Mm. You know, now just go to this chapter and see the benefits of istighfar. And it is detailed, uh, it is given in details to us what the benefits are, some of which I have mentioned. Mm. So uh, just coming back to your question, don't give up hope and don't stop uh, in trying to go to the doctors and whatever needs to be done needs to be done. Mm. Look, if you've, if you've done everything already, and you've tried everything that the doctors have suggested, and they say to you, look, there's nothing else we can try. Mm. Well, at that point, you you don't go to any doctors anymore because that is, you've tried your best. And then you only depend on dua. But before that, if you did not expedite everything yet, from your side, from your husband's side, and etc., if you did not do that yet, I will strongly encourage for you to do all of that. Mm. But in conjunction with that, make your du'as, make your istighfar, make your tahajjud, make your salah on time, make all those things, Do you know, give lots of sadaqah to people. This, these are all ways and means in which our du'as will become more readily accepted, inshallah. I think, Sheikh, in addition to her question, she also mentioned um, that her aunts, and Sheikh said, you know, venture into whatever kind of means will help. But um, she specifically asked that her aunt suggest, besides the operation, to go to a pious person that can help her. Is this allowed to go to another individual to help with assistance? Yeah, it depends. Uh, I actually slipped on, on mentioning something about that. Um, and that is, yes, look, a salih person, if you're going to go there to ask him to make dua for you, 
this is something that is completely acceptable. Mm. You know, make dua for me or ask Allah Ta'ala, you know, to help me, etc. Uh, we find that Nabi Yusuf's son, Nabi Yusuf's brothers rather, mm. Nabi Yusuf's brothers, we know the whole ordeal with Nabi Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam and how they threw him in the well and, you know, the difficult life that he went through, etc. Mm. The brothers later on in their lives, they realize all the wrong that they did. And after speaking to their father about it, etc., they actually asked their father to ask Allah to forgive them. You know, okay. Because their father was much more pious than them. Yes, yes. So Allah says in Surah Yusuf, Oh, our father, ask Allah to forgive our sins because we have wronged ourselves. Hmm. And the father said, So for No problem, I will ask Allah to forgive you. Hmm. So which means you can ask Allah, you can ask a pious person to make dua for you. Okay. That is absolutely acceptable. Hmm. You know? uh, however, I don't know if the questioner maybe is alluding to something more than that. If a mm. pious person can do something else or so yeah, we must be careful, you know, go to someone that's really pious, mm. not somebody that's going to take money from you or mm. that's going to rip you off. Go to someone that you know is known for his piety and is not going to do anything dodgy or something that he's going to go against. Because unfortunately we get a lot of this also around. Mm. You know, people that take money from others and they promise all sorts of things, they can make potions or they can make this and they can make that. And at the end of the day there's nothing there's no truth in it. Yeah, and banal water shouldn't cost you. Yeah, of course. If it's if it's banal water, we uh, verses of the Quran have been recited over it by a pious person. Yeah. That is acceptable. Yeah. That is good. But make sure that it is really a pious person. And if he's pious, he's not going to charge you lots of money for it. Mm. You know, because it doesn't cost him anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this is all things that you must be careful of. Mm. But for me personally, you know, strengthen your bond with Allah yourself. And if you have pious people around you, ask them to make dua for you. Mm. And that is the extent, inshallah. Inshallah. All the best. Really all the best to, to that lady. It's, it's, it is quite trying and a lot of patience is needed for an issue like this. So shukran so much, Sheikh, for that answer. We come back with more of your questions. Just our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back. Just a few minutes left before we go. Then, just to acknowledge an SMS that has come through earlier on in July. Uh, make mention, alhamdulillah, we have received your SMS. Shukran for your comment. Um, an aunt sent in an SMS saying, "My niece was based is based in Netherlands, and their fajr starts at 3:30 a.m. and maghrib at quarter past 10 in the evening. They experienced great heat waves nearly a week, for for a week at least. Alhamdulillah, she said it was difficult, but at first smooth sailing. Now, at least, Allah really blessed us with this holy month. I mean, Sheikh, a really trying time. And uh, the question is, the people on that side, we ask, how do they do it? And this aunt is uh, vouching that the the niece you know got through it it was difficult at, t- at times mm-hmm. but uh, not just referring to fasting but anything in life that no matter how hard it is you know you can do it inshallah yeah yeah that's uh, really encouraging you know people saying that the difficulty that they went through but it was worth a while you know yeah and uh, alhamdulillah we congratulate them on being steadfast in fasting in those tough conditions your reward obviously is much greater than us yes. people that <laughs> more hours yeah few hours so your reward in, by Allah is much greater than yeah. ours so I need to obviously congratulate uh, you on that inshallah alhamdulillah so the next sms after that was what if i can't recite quran in arabic sheikh but need to make salat layl at home uh, may i repeat some short calls uh, surah calls uh, in that uh, salah sheikh? absolutely there's nothing wrong for you to repeat uh, short surahs whatever you know uh, in the salah 
uh, and even if it is just kul wallah wahadad you want to recite over and over there's nothing wrong with that and in fact there is uh, I mean it's, it's quite interesting that you mentioned the kuls there were actually some companions that were so much in love with, with kul wallah wahadad mm. that they used to recite it all the time they yeah. recited it in all the salahs and the Prophet ﷺ did not stop them he, he, he in fact admired them for being attached to this short surah that is yet so powerful because it's short but it speaks really about how great Allah is mm. and the attributes of Allah and how we you know when we worship Allah Ta'ala we, we have a glimpse just of an idea of who mm. Allah is when we recite Wahad. so again um, this is a, a beautiful encouragement so make your salah to tahajjud make your salah to layl even if you can't recite lengthy Surahs, mm. that does not matter the fact that you are getting up to make salah for the sake of Allah, yeah, reciting these short things. That is a, g- a great blessing from Allah Ta'ala. And we make dua that Allah keeps you steadfast and continue with the good that you are doing, inshallah. Okay, Sheikh. So a bit delayed question, but inshallah, we hope that it, it helps everyone. Salam, I'm not fasting. I'm a diabetic. Can I give my fidya after Eid? Yes, the fidya is something that never falls away, really. If it is owed, then it must be paid whenever one is able to afford it. Okay. Okay, so it's not a debt that uh, sort of just disappears so it will always be there Uh, but if let's say the person could not fast and this is actually the case for many pensioners for example Mm. they can't fast because of old age but they also cannot uh, afford to pay the fidya Mm. no problem in that case Allah Ta'ala obviously is not going to take you to task because you are not able Mm. in that case it will not fall away but it's just you you don't have to pay it Mm. but let's say all of a sudden if you're a pensioner you got a, a lump sum of a big amount of money from someone then at that stage it becomes obviously wajib for you to pay whatever fidya you did not pay in the past. Okay. You need to settle those debts that is owed. But there is no sin or blame on you if you are not able to perform it. So in this case, if you're only after Eid, uh, and maybe this person knew that only after Eid I will get some money, mm. then yes, no problem. You can give it even after when Eid is done. And I think maybe the confusion or maybe the concern was here, fitrah. Fitrah is normally given before the before, Salah yeah. of Eid. Mm. So that's the same thing for the fidya. Yeah, the answer different. is no. Fidya is given any time. It's uh, given to the poor and needy on behalf of the fact that I could not fast. Mm. So it is done any time. So even after Eid will be acceptable. Another fidya question, uh, Sheikh, that also asks, can I give my fidya in August the 1st? So another delayed payment. Yeah, so it's exactly the same answer. You give the fidya whenever you are able to do so, and it is not something that falls away. Okay. So, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Is it okay for husband and wife to be intimate with each other during the month of Ramadan at night? Yeah, of course, it is allowed. It is halal for husband and wife to be intimate with one another during the nights of Ramadan. Um, and it's, it's, it's not something which is frowned upon. Mm. Okay. Uh, however, the last 10 nights of Ramadan, we find that the Prophet mm-hmm. specifically made a point in refraining from, from his wives, etc. Because those 10 nights are very virtuous. We want to spend them in seclusion with Allah and making ibadah as much as we can. So during those 10 nights, still it is not haram. Right, if intimacy takes place between husband and wife, even on Laylatul Qadr for that matter, or on the ten nights, it's not haram, it's Mm. It's still halal because you are husband and wife. Mm. But you must try during the last ten nights to focus only on Allah, Allah. you know, and try to stay away from anything that is going to distract you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you are able to do that, then inshallah you are following the sunnah of the Prophet If on the other hand, you, you did not, it's no problem. You did not commit any haram. Mm. You won't be punished for it. You won't be held accountable for anything that you've done that is wrong because it is halal uh, in any case to, 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 to do that at any part of the evenings of the month of Ramadan. But the preferred is always to try and practice the sunnah. If you are able, able to, to in the last 10 nights. Yes. Shukran, Sheikh. We'll take a short break. Live from Cape Town, this 
as the voice of the Cape. 91.3 FM. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back. Welcome back after our short uh, break for Maghrib. Shukran for staying with us uh, for the next 20 minutes or so. And we continue with our questions and answers. Please do send your SMSs. I do still encourage you to send them via SMS 47913 or our fax uh, email is also open. You can contact reception and find the other different modes to get it through to Zarina and she'll compile it for, for, uh, for you. Of course, it wouldn't be done uh, immediately as we have quite a few delayed um, that we're still getting through, alhamdulillah, but a big, big, big shukran and sabr for, for at least shukran to your sabr for um, awaiting your answers. With me, what we welcome back now is Sheikh Ibrahim West, the resident imam at the Yusufia Masjid. And Sheikh, let's get straight into it. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh Wood. Like to know, must you do your witr with jama'ah if you are making tahajjud or must you walk out at that time? Please advise. Bismillah rahman rahim There's nothing that you must do in this case or that you have to do in this case. You can either make it with jama'ah and make your tahajjud later or you can actually delay the witr and make it after you made your tahajjud mm-hmm. so either option is open for you you can decide what you want to do ordinarily i would say in the month of ramadan it is better to do it with jama'ah because it's a very unique opportunity that you get to make witr with jama'ah mm-hmm. it's in the month of ramadan but if you prefer to make your witr after you've made your tahajjud then no problem you, you then politely excuse yourself and you make it later on mm. right um, and I think this is where the misconception comes some people think if you've made your witr then you can't make tahajjud okay and that is a misconception if you've made your witr you can still make tahajjud there's no problem in that at all the only point that I want to make here is if you've made your witr and then you're going to make tahajjud you never repeat your witr after that because witr was done you don't make two witrs in one evening okay. there's a hadith like that that says la witrani fil layla you don't make two witrs in one night mm. okay so if you've made your witr with a jama'ah and then you get up for tahajjud you get up for tahajjud you make your tahajjud and that's that mm. but if you did not make your tahajjud you did not make your witr with a jama'ah you then went and did your tahajjud then of course the preferred is now that you make your witr after that but i want to reiterate both are options that are possible that are permissible that is non-problematic you can decide and choose whatever you want to do in this case. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. What if your gums bleed and you spit majority of the saliva out, which is totally red of, of the blood? You keep on spitting, the extent of, of the saliva is no more red, but more of an orange color, and intentionally you swallow some of that. Mm. Is your fast broken? Yeah, look, I, I would say uh, that you know you try your best to not to, to swallow anything that is foreign. In this case, the blood. So you, you've tried your best. You've, you spat out whatever you could. Mm-hmm. You cleansed your mouth. You rinsed your mouth as best as you could without swallowing anything. So I think that is the extent that is required. So once you've done all of that and you feel comfortable that most of it is gone, if anything is now going to go down, you know, um, without you being able to prevent it, etc., then it's fine, inshallah. Uh, Allah Ta'ala says, La yukallifu Allahu nafsan illa usaha. He doesn't place a burden on you that is beyond your ability. Yeah. So in this case, just try your best to spit out whatever you can. If it's like real blood uh, blood that you can identify, then do that. And if afterwards you see so a little bit after, you try your best to spit it out. But if you've done everything that you are able to do and there's still maybe some color, etc., mm. I mean, obviously you're not going to be able to spit out the whole day or mm. cleanse your mouth the whole day. So that is not required. Mm. Just do what is the best uh, that you can do for that situation. And inshallah, that will be, that will be acceptable. 
Okay. So does asthma pump, does an asthma pump break the fast, Sheikh? Yeah, this is one of our modern, obviously, questions because it's a modern invention. Um, and scholars in modern times have disagreed on, on, on this issue. Mm. Uh, does it actually break or not? And the debate, I think, it, it, it's around the fact that do we actually um, define the asthma pump that a person takes as being a physical substance that goes down into the cavity? Or is it just like, like air that you are breathing? And, and uh, scholars have grappled with this, you know, is it just like air or is it something that is of a physical nature? Because we know the rule is anything of a physical nature that goes into the cavity, mm. whether it goes through the mouth or through the nose or through the ears, then of course it will break the fast. Um, and many scholars uh, of, of what I've uh, come across in Egypt and in Syria in particular, uh, many prominent, prominent scholars of the, of the Muslim world, they all are of the opinion that it does break the fast. Because if you, if you look at the ashma pump really, if you shake it and you see it, it's actually a fluid. Mm. Although it's very small, it's, guess, minute, yeah. it's actually a fluid. Mm. So it is something physical that goes into the cavity. Okay, and according to these scholars, it will in fact break the fast. There are some, I, I, I do acknowledge, there are some scholars uh, in other parts of the world that disagree with that. They say, no, it, it evaporates. It's almost like, like, like pure air that you are breathing. Mm. You know, it's not, nothing physical that goes down. So uh, that is another fatwa that is given that it does not break the fast. Okay, and I would say, look, if, if it's not a lot of days that, that you've used the pump, it's a few days only that you needed to use it because asthmatics they don't use the pump all the time so let's say the person used it a couple of times i will say precaution is to pay in those days mm. okay and you don't have to give a video just pay in the days that you've used the pump okay but if it is let's say the whole month that you used it or you've used it for, for a few ramadans already then inshallah take the easier fatwa that says it does not break and uh, in that case Inshallah, uh, make dua that Allah accept our fast. But that is the difference of opinion that does in fact exist yeah, on this question. Like I said, majority of scholars that I've come across say that it does break the fast. And so you're not required to, 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 to fast. If you have to take it every day, then you're not required to fast. Mm -hmm. Which means you will, you will give a fidya for each day that you are unable to fast. Shukran, Shia. Salam, can you give your fitra to a family member that when it's needed? Yes, absolutely. If it is a family member, obviously, that is not under your guardianship. Uh, okay, if it is somebody that you normally support, like your children or grandchildren, or your father or grandfather or grandparents, or it's your wife, you know, those three categories of people, you are not allowed to give fitra mm. because they are your dependents. You look after them all the time. But if it's any other family member, like a brother, like a sister, like an aunt, an uncle, you know, any, anyone else, a nephew, a niece, then you can give your sakatul uh, fitr to them. And in fact, it will be a recommendation to give it to a family member uh, uh, over a non-family member. And the reason for that is when you give to a family member, then it's two good things that you are doing. Mm. You are giving a poor person something, but you are also joining yourself with your family. Hmm. which is required in Islam. And there's actually a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ highlighted this, where he says, As-sadaqatu ala al-miskini sadaqa wa ala dhir-rahimi thintan sadaqatun wa silatun. And the hadith appears in the sunan of Imam Tirmidhi, where the Prophet ﷺ says that if you give sadaqa on a poor person, then it is a charity that will be rewarded by Allah. Hmm. But if it is a charity that you give on a family member, then there's two rewards, one for the charity and one for joining family ties. So here I would say if you have siblings, if you have brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, nephews, nieces that are not your direct dependents and you know that they are in need and they struggle, then it would actually be better for you to give your sadaqah to them rather than to give it to a stranger. But if it's your dependents, of course, then you're not allowed to give your sadaqah to them because they are constantly under your care where you obviously look after them. 
Assalamu alaikum. Sheikh, a mother didn't fast for two Ramadans. Uh, she was pregnant the year, um, the one year, and breastfed a newborn the following year. She will fast. Um, she will fast afterwards, but did not pay the fidya. Can she still give fidya even if it is a year or two ago? Yeah, this is what I mentioned earlier okay. on that fidya never falls away. Mm-hmm. So you can give fidya anytime; it, it remains in your in your responsibility to do that. So even if it's of last year or the year before, and you know you did not pay it, then you pay it. Okay, mm-hmm. you pay it even if it is at a later stage. However, the query that I would like to bring up here is um, the time when you did not fast because of being pregnant. Did you not fast because of the baby's sake or did you not fast because of your own sake? Mm. Right? If it was for the baby's sake, then yes, you must give a fidya and pay in the days. Mm. But if it was for your own sake, let's say it was the latter part of your pregnancy mm. and it wasn't you were strong in, you were strong enough, it's a, uh, to do, uh, rather you were weak. Let's say it was at the beginning of the pregnancy rather mm. and you were weak and whatever and you couldn't cope with it and it's actually you that was sick and not the baby. Mm-hmm. And in that case, there's no fidya because you are like any other sick person okay. that only pay in the days without having to give a fidya. The rule for the fidya is it's only if you are breaking your fast on account of your baby, on account of another life. If it's on account of your own well-being, then there is no fidya. So that is the only query that I would make here. Of course, breastfeeding, it goes without saying that you are eating or you're not fasting on account of someone else, mm. not account of yourself. So a person breastfeeding must definitely give fidya. So coming back to the question, when can you give it? Should you still give it? Yes, you should still give it, inshallah, whenever you are able to in the future and you have the, the ability, you should give it to the poor and needy the amount that is required. Okay, Sheikh. So another Ramadan question, just on the answer Sheikh has given. So I'm just latching on, skipping one, but we'll go back to it. So shukran for the program. My wife had bad morning sickness and now we're not sure if we take the advice of her only paying in her days, whether it's it's um, it's the days and the fidya. Yeah, in this case, so, morning sickness would, would mean that she herself is sick. Mm. Without even going to a doctor. She okay. herself feels ill. She doesn't feel well. So in that case, she's sick. A sick person normally doesn't give fidya. Mm. He only pays in the days afterwards. Okay. okay. So she falls under that category. Uh, the only time that fidya will be required is if she had gone to a doctor and the doctor said to her, look, you can't fast because the fetus is in danger or okay. the fetus won't be able to, uh, to survive properly or feed properly. In that case, you will give a fidya as well. Okay. But for me personally, and this morning sickness issues is normally at the beginning of pregnancy oh. and you just discovered maybe and some funny things is happening with a woman and so at that stage what does she do she doesn't fast yes. why isn't she fasting because she's not feeding she's well. not feeling well and yeah. if she's not feeling well it means she's sick and no fidia is required she merely has to pay in those days inshallah okay so the next ones i'm diabetic and i'm on insulin tablets insulin and tablets my H- hgd is always high not low can i fast Sheikh? yeah she's not a doctor but yeah exactly <laughs> I, I think this is a question that some people um, um but mashallah you can you can actually admire them that they yeah. still they want to fast etc the best thing is a muslim upright doctor must give you the proper advice you know and if it is the way that you are saying i'm sure they're going to advise you not to fast mm. okay and you should follow that advice and don't don't harm yourself don't harm your body because allah ta'ala doesn't wish any harm for us you know allah doesn't wish any difficulty for us mm. and yes you are enthusiastic or maybe you want to still try it etc and i know diabetics normally they say well i feel okay you know nothing <laughs> i don't feel i in fact some say i feel better when i fast yeah and they take the insulin before yeah, or whatever. Whatever, yeah. the doctors normally say you know if it's going to be really harmful to your organs and stuff mm. like that you shouldn't you know because that also is sinful i mean to 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 put your health at stake or to put your body at stake etc allah ta'ala doesn't 
want that from us. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's a hadith which we always quote in this regard, la darar wa la dirar. In Islam, there's no harm that should be entertained from anything or anyone. And there should also not be any harm that is reciprocated. Somebody harms you, you don't harm them back. Okay, so no harm. Harm should be removed at all times. Mm-hmm. So your body, your health, all of that is important. So consult a doctor. If a doctor says, look, your insulin and all of that is not that serious, you can fast, then bismillah. But if you cannot and they say you should not, then you should probably listen to their advice and follow their advice. And the only thing here is go to a doctor that is Muslim, that is upright, and that obviously can sort of identify with your needs and identify with your deen. You know, that is the one that should advise you on this particular matter. Okay, shukran, Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum, Imam. Is it true if you do, don't make namaz uh, in, this, in the month of Ramadan, um, is your fast accepted? Yeah, acceptance of any worship, any ibadah lies with Allah. None of us can guarantee that our ibadah are accepted. Mm. Whether in Ramadan or whether out of Ramadan, we don't know. Mm. However, I think the person is has got a point when he is wanting to ask this question because we find sometimes people, they, they fast rigorously, but they miss their salah, for example. They don't give care to the salah. So what we would say here is Allah, Allah knows alone, you know, your fasting may still be accepted, inshallah, mm. but it may also not be accepted. Because in this case, uh, it's as if you want to only do one thing, but you want to give a, a, a bigger priority, you, you don't want to give importance mm. to. The salah is a bigger priority because it's, the, it's also a rukun of Islam and it is something that is continuous. And there's a hadith that say that the first thing that you will be asked about is your salah, not, not something else. And it is that connection between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whilst we are not going to say that the fasting is accepted or not, what we want to say is that yes, the chances of you jeopardizing your fasting by not making salah is great because, you know, uh, whilst doing the one thing, you, you don't want to look at the other, which is also important. And the Prophet Sallallahu said there will be some people who are fasting, but they're fasting. All that it means is they are staying away from food and drink. Hmm. Fasting is not accepted, in other words. And I would say somebody that neglects his other duties perhaps fall under that category. Or somebody that fasts rigorously but he does not control his tongue, for example, hmm. also falls under that category. So what we are saying to you here is, inshallah, if a person is fasting, we make dua that Allah accept his fast. Inshallah. I will never be judgmental to say his fast is not accepted. Hmm. But at the same time, we need to bring him to the reality and say to him, look, you know, brother or sister, you have to also do the other duties mm. because you can't sort of do the one and not the other. They all work hand in hand together. And that is how Allah Ta'ala have instituted it for us, for our own, for our own benefit, inshallah. Inshallah, shukran. We continue with more of your SMSs after the short break. So stay with us. Good evening. Welcome back. This is Questions and Answers. I'm Khawa Solomon answering your questions in a detailed way. We say big shukran to Sheikh Ibrahim Was for putting in that effort coming into studio and and uh, explaining to you um, your questions. But a big shukran to you as well for being patient as we get through the questions. As you can hear, there are some um, backlogged Ramadan questions and hopefully everybody will benefit benefit from it in that way. So, Sheikh, the next one is, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Is it permissible to delay um, or to send someone away from your door during the month of Ramadan when they come 
at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, uh, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Uh, this is a, a, a call that obviously you, you make sometimes uh, yeah, in terms of uh, an ethical call that you need to make when somebody comes for food or for bread, etc., etc. Uh, we try to uh, always assist people the best that we can. You know, we try to help where we can. Uh, and uh, yes, sometimes it may be awkward, it may be difficult. And surely Allah knows our intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, our intentions must always be pure and we must always try to always be uh, in such a position where we, we, we care for others as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, uh, I think you should assess the situation and see that is this person, for example, making a habit always to come late at night? You know, because if that is the case, then obviously you can tell the person, look, I mean, you know, why you come this time? This is the time that we rest or we need to sleep, etc. Right? We don't mind helping, but you need to come earlier. Mm. You know, what I sometimes find very strange also is that some people, they come and they claim to be Muslim and they come at the time when the adhan goes off. Yes. And they know we need to make salah, you know, you need to prepare for salah and get ready and all of that, especially for Maghrib. Break your fast, yeah. Yeah, break your fast, etc. Yeah. And especially for Maghrib, you know, Maghrib is a short waqt. And in any case, you, you also need to make salah. So why mm. are you coming that time? So um, you, you should educate people and also uh, steer them in the in the right direction. So it wouldn't be wrong for you to engage this person. Mm. That is what I'm saying. Assess your situation. Look, sometimes it can be once off. You can see really this person is really in need. He came mm. late because he's got nothing for the whole day and he's really in a bad state. So you can assist him, you know, without having to, to, to go further than that. Mm. But if you know that this person normally comes, you know, awkward times or they make a habit of coming awkward times or, you know, they, they, they're just being difficult, mm. then you've got the right to obviously educate them and say, look, I mean, we don't mind helping, but you also need to be reasonable. Mm. We also need to rest and we need to do things at night, etc., etc. Nothing will be wrong uh, of doing, if you do that, it won't be wrong of you to engage them, you know, and to teach them and to educate them as well. Especially if they come, like you said, late at night, etc. Because uh, fasting, I mean, if you're fasted the whole day, especially the women folk, I mean, they're quite tired. They've mm. been in front of the stove, they've been busy, etc., etc. So that time of the night, they are quite exhausted, mm. you know, still to get up and, and open the door for someone, etc. So you assess the situation, inshallah, and uh, you will then know how to proceed as far as, as that is concerned. I think, uh, Sheikh, the same with Ramadan, especially during that month and the day of Eid, there's, there's also this influx of little children and people coming to your door mm. and like she said you have to assess it you have to take it on personally and that ethical choice you have to make but it is kind of difficult when you come out, to, uh, out of this month yes. um, you're in a, a place of wanting to give but you just question it now so it does put you in a awkward situation mm. of uh, choosing yeah that's why you know. I say you, you you assess and and you know if, if you feel comfortable that this person is I mean you don't go overboard also in wanting giving. to give all the time but also not in assessing people all the time. Yeah. I mean, you, you make the assessment. Yeah. You, you, yeah, you, you, you use your discretion, inshallah. And, you know, in, in matters like this, the Prophet ﷺ actually said to us, istafti qalbak, you know, ask your heart what you want to do. Okay. Your heart should give the fatwa. Okay. You know, and, and yes, it's, <laughs> if it's unreasonable, your heart will tell you it's unreasonable. Okay. And then you engage the person and say to him, we don't mind giving, but the time is not right. Hmm. You can't come on walk to time. You can't come late at night when we are sleeping, etc., etc. Okay, so one of our last Ramadan questions is, can you give fitrah to a child even if their parents are still alive? Yeah, it would, it would obviously depend here what the conditions of the parents are. Mm-hmm. If the parents are in a condition where they are working, they have enough for themselves and for the children, etc., then it will not be permissible because the child obviously is being supported by the parents. Mm-hmm. But if the parents themselves are eligible recipients for zakah and for sadaqah and so on, then yes, of course, you can give to a child. Uh, was part 
of that family, you can obviously give your fitra. Um, yeah, but here, I would just be careful that if it is a minor, you don't want to give to the minor because they don't always maybe know how no, to, yeah. to spend it or how to deal with it. So you, you deal with the parents rather. Okay. So what we are saying is that we need to obviously assess the so. condition of the parents. If the parents are not eligible for sadaqah and zakah and they are okay to look after the kids, then you can't obviously give to the kids. But if they are in such a position where they can accept, then you can give to the kids. But you assess whether that child is big enough to actually deal with it or rather work through the parents in order to give the uh, sadaqah and zakah to, 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 uh, on behalf of yourself or the child, whatever the case may be. Okay, so someone would like to know, is it permissible for my daughter to be seeing a non-Muslim boy? He's 23 years old and both she and the boy are planning on... And then the SMS stops. I didn't realize that the SMS stops. I don't know if they're planning on getting married or what. Actually, Let's just yeah, actually, I read in here is not planning. So I, I don't know if it's... Oh, like, sorry, Maaf, yeah, They're not planning, not planning on getting on, married or, okay, or Maaf, Maaf, my mistake. So if it's not planning, uh, I don't think you need an answer from me. I mean, you know what the answer is. I mean, if your child is seeing a non-Muslim boy and mm. we know the issues that that is going to cause and, you know, uh, Islam obviously is, is important to us and your faith and your identity is important to us. So I'm sure you know what the answer is. is you don't yeah. need an answer from me you know as far as that is concerned but what i will say is that look if you feel that your child is, is adamant in seeing this boy mm. you know and you think there's maybe a chance that you can speak to him and see whether he will revert to islam and and, and make da'wah to him and see whether you can show the beauty of islam to him etc then you entertain that mm. you know but if you know that things are already to such a point that you know regardless what you are going to say etc it's not going to work because it's not going to help then you as a parent needs to take a stance you know, you need to tell your child that we, we can't be happy with this kind of thing because we've got certain things, certain rules that we follow, etc. And, uh, you know, to, to, to overlook the laws of Allah Ta'ala as far as this is concerned is, is not a healthy, it's not a good thing because it's going to cause lots of issues for us in the future. Mm. It's going to bring a lot of uh, issues, you know, within our lives without us realizing. You know, one, one never realizes really what happens when you transgress, you know, when you do something wrong because Allah Ta'ala knows about it. And it's a test that he's putting you through. And if you don't pass the test, you know, it has consequences. So this is what I want to say. The parent needs to obviously you know, play the role as a parent and make the proper decisions here as far as the child is concerned. And inshallah, hopefully they will be able to convince the child that if this boy is not planning on getting married, you can't see the boy just like this. You can't be going out like that and uh, dating, etc. These are all things which Islam does not really allow. So you need to, uh, as a parent, um, obviously guide and direct your child in the proper direction, inshallah. Unfortunately, that's where we have to leave it. Inshallah, Sheikh, we will ask Sheikh to avail uh, Sheikh's time again next week, same time, same place. And your SMSs, please do send them through on 47913. Jazakallah khair to Sheikh Ibrahim Mus and Salama Travel, inshallah. Jazakumullah khair to you also, uh, Hawa, and to all our listeners until we meet another time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Shukran so much for joining us and please do continue listening to VOC 91.3 FM. Remember, we're highly portable, so take us along wherever you go. From myself, Hawa Salomon, until the next time, wassalamu alaikum and a very good evening.